the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue our study in the book of 1 Samuel, despite Samuel's best efforts, Saul continues to make excuses and refuses to repent, and Samuel is left to mourn his friend's choice. We'll pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24. The title of the message is, The Heart Matters to God. The whole theme of the book of 1 Samuel is lessons from the heart. And we've been looking at lots of different hearts. In particular, we've been looking at Saul's heart. That's interesting when we see that we have all these lessons from the heart. When you think of, we read about in our scripture reading where Jeremiah seventeen nine says that our own heart's more deceitful than anything else out there that it's incurably sick, that we can't even understand our own heart and thus should trust the Lord instead. In light of that, the question kind of comes up naturally, though, then why does the heart matter so much to God? I mean, if it's just a lost cause, why is it so important to God? Why does God say in the very next verse in Jeremiah 17 and Jeremiah 17, 10, that he searches the heart and he tests it in order to reward or judge every man? Well, there's another scripture that talks about the heart, and it comes from our perspective. If you look at Psalm 139 with me, I want to read verses 23 and 24, and I want that to kind of be the backdrop of our study, and then we'll look at 1 Samuel 15, and we'll work our way through. But Psalm 139, a psalm written by David, at the very end, he prays these two verses. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Isn't that interesting? Even though our hearts are incurably sick on our own, if we cry out to the Lord to purge our heart of those wicked things, if we yield our heart to the Lord, he can change it so that we will love him supremely with all of our heart soul, strength, and mind, that we will follow him in that way everlasting. And it is no mistake that David is the one who writes these verses because he's the one, the Bible says, is the man after God's own heart, unlike Saul. And so we're going to see that contrast and why God chooses David over Saul. So 1 Samuel 15, let's pick it up in verse 24. The context, of course, is God sent Saul out to wipe out the Amalekites, and Saul brings back their king, brings back all the spoils of war when God told him, don't do any of that. And so when Samuel confronts him about this, Saul says, I brought it to give it to the Lord. 
And that's when Samuel utters those famous words, obedience is better than sacrifice, and to hearken is better than the fat of rams, because rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. And so he tells me, he says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, Saul, he has rejected you from being king. And so here we see Saul's response to that. In verse 24, Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. And it's because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray you, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Here we see Saul's, we're going to make two confessions here, his first confession to Samuel. And prior to Samuel's explanation that obedience is better than sacrifice, Saul up to that point, had kept, he kept insisting, I did nothing wrong, I did nothing wrong, I did nothing wrong, I did what God told me to do. So this is a good change, right? That now he goes, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. It, the phrase transgress means to cross over a line. I crossed a line that God set, and not only that, I didn't listen to you either. And this might even harken back to Saul's failure way back in Gilgal when Samuel said, wait for me to do the offerings. It might be a reference to that. Saul might be referencing everything that's happened up to this point. And so we say, well, that's a good thing, right? Well, if Saul followed up this confession with repentance, it would be a good thing, but he doesn't. And to see that kind of a disconnect where he confesses, but he doesn't repent, we have to look at what he confesses first here and then see his actions after he confesses. He explains why he really did this. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So why did Saul disobey the Lord? Why did he bring Agag back? The same reason he's been doing everything up to this point after that battle with the Philistines. He is terrified of losing his kingdom. He does not want anything to make him vulnerable. He's going to hold on to his position at any cost, even if it means disobeying the Lord. And so he is scared that the people would turn against him. And so he listened to them instead of listening to the Lord. The phrase there, to fear, means to show profound respect for someone or something. Saul's sin was being more afraid of losing the people's favor than losing God's favor. And, you know, Proverbs 29, 25 is that famous verse about the fear of man being a, a snare, a trap. But, but it has a little bit more to it. In Psalm 29, 25, it starts off like that where it says, The fear of man brings a snare. But whosoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. That's the counter to that. It warns us about the mindset of fearing man and letting our fear of man cause us to make the decisions we make. But instead, we're to do what the Bible says. We're to trust the Lord. Trust what he says instead. And so when someone is confessing their sin, they agree they've done something wrong, there's a right way that you would respond. If you really mean it, then there's a right way you'll respond with it. And the right way for Saul to respond to this confession, I blew it, I feared the people instead of fearing the Lord, the right thing was to say, Samuel, from now on, I'm not going to worry about what the people think. What God thinks about me will matter the most, right? I mean, that's, if he's really confessing and ready to change, that's, that's what he should do, right? But that's not what Saul does next. In fact, he persists in his sinful mindset. Look at verse 25. Now, therefore, in other words, well, I've done my part, <laughs> Now, therefore, I pray you, pardon my sin, which is fine. But then he says this, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Therefore, I put it out there, I've owned it. So please forgive me and then come back with me to the celebration, the big, huge party we're having. So we can take all these animals that we 
took from the Amalekites that God told us not to take, and we can worship the Lord with them. What? That'd be like if your kids are, okay, I'll tell a story. I had a kid. This child, there would be, when they were younger, very young, you know, there would be times when we would pull them aside because of something that was wrong. And they would look at you and they would say, oh, okay, mom, or okay, dad. And then two minutes later, they were doing it again. And this is kind of like that. You know, it's kind of like, didn't we just have a conversation about this? Like, didn't we just talk about how this is no bueno, right? This is no good, Saul. And Saul's like, yeah, I get it. You're right. You're right. I messed up. So can you please forgive me? And let's go back and, and party. You just kind of go, you know, kind of like the dog, you know, just kind of looks at you like something's wrong here. What, what do you mean going back to the celebration? Everything's wrong about this celebration. How can Saul think this is worship when he's just admitted his sin? Because he never really changed his mind about it being sin, even though he acknowledged to Samuel that it was wrong. You see, confession is only one side of getting things right with God. It's only one side of this concept we call repentance. The other side of that coin or the other side of repentance and confession is turning around and going a new direction. In Proverbs 28, 13, it it makes it really clear what someone who really desires to walk with the Lord does. It says in Proverbs 28, 13, he that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Confessing and forsaking are entwined. You can't just separate them. If I if I keep telling my wife, you know, when I hurt her, or I'm unkind to her, I, my kids, and, and, you know, and, and I, I say, hey, listen, that was wrong for daddy to do that, or hey, that was wrong for me to do that. Will you please forgive me? And, and then I, I just keep doing it over and over and over again. At some point, you're going to go, I'm not sure you're serious about this. I'm not sure you mean what you say. And so it's not just about saying that you blew it, which is important. It's a part of it, because whosoever covers his sins won't prosper. But forsaking them is important too. Frequently, when people will come to me with, with you know, challenges that they're having with sin in their lives, whatever it might be, could be gossip, could be this, could be that. At some point, we have to come to a place where we have the talk like, okay, so where do you go from here? Like, I'm glad this, you're here. I'm glad we're talking about this, but where do you go now? What, what do you mean? Well, what are you going to do? Like, what's going to be different from this moment forward? What needs to change so that this is not something that continues? And then, of course, sometimes we're like, whoa, well, well, I need to do this. And like, praise the Lord. Let's pray about it. Let's make that commitment to the Lord right now. And that's a good thing. But then every once in a while, you kind of get the, oh, oh, like, like I got to change? And, and I don't, they don't say that, but that's the idea of like, well, I, so what, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, if it's a, you know, if it's a gossip issue, like you need to get like an accountability partner, somebody who can, you know, chat. Every time they see you starting to chat, they go, bro, no good. And that you're listening to their input or whatever the problem might be that you, you're doing something to begin to build up the hole in the wall, to, to plug the hole in the wall like Nehemiah did so that the enemy can't get in anymore. At some point, if you're not willing to pick up the shovel, then you have to ask the question if it's really the hole in the wall that bothers you or just the consequences of there being a hole in the wall. And there is a difference between those two things. Saul broke the Lord's heart by turning to go his own way. We read about that in 1 Samuel 15, verse 11. So how can Saul expect Samuel to leave the Lord to go the same direction that broke God's heart? How can he expect that Samuel would go with him in that? You see, the right response was for Saul to get up and go, hey guys, 
this whole thing's wrong. Instead of having some sacrifice to God and pretending like we're giving it to him just so we can have a party, we're going to all have a time of repentance right now and we're going to make this right. But that's not what Saul did. And so when Saul asked Samuel to do this, Samuel says, no, I'm not going. Samuel said to the Lord, I will not return with you, verse 26, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. Have, present tense. You're still rejecting God's word. Saul, you haven't changed anything. I know you've admitted you've done wrong, but you haven't changed anything. I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. I I think I mentioned this, but it's worth saying again. God did not reject Saul because he sinned. God rejected Saul because Saul refused to yield his heart to the Lord. He refused to repent. And we are going to be with Saul for quite some time still, even though God's rejected him from being king because Saul refuses to abdicate the throne. We are going to see this cycle of Saul confessing his sin, but never repenting over and over and over and over throughout his life, all the way to the end at his death. Saul did not have a heart of repentance. And that is what made him unfit to be used by God. God can use people who make mistakes. God can use people who fail. God can restore people who fail. But if I refuse to repent, it makes me unfit to be used by the Lord. And so Saul proves that he's unwilling to change direction with his next action. Verse 27, when Samuel says, no, I'm not going to go. It says, as Samuel turned about to go away, Saul laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, the uh, bottom part of Samuel's robe. He grabbed it. And it tore, it tore, the bottom of his robe tore off. And Samuel says to him, the Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours that is better than you. Those are words that usually get somebody killed when you say them to the king. God has torn the kingdom from you just like you've torn my robe. Samuel's the prophet to the people and Saul didn't care. He's like, you're not going anywhere, man. And like, you can rip my robe to pieces. But the truth is, that's what God's doing to your kingdom right now. And not just that, he's going to give it to your, another fellow countryman who is better than you. The word there, better, means more pleasing, more pleasing to the Lord, obviously, than you have been, Saul. In other words, there is a, another Israeli out there who was better than the man who stood head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel. That was Saul's qualifications, right? Stood head and shoulders above every man. There was an Israeli out there who was better than that because he was someone who would obey God, which is much better than Saul's approach. Here's the truth, guys. No matter how skilled someone is, no matter how their natural ability or even their gifting from God, an obedient man or woman will always please God more. I've been doing this now. I've been a pastor. This is my 25th year of being a pastor. And in 25 years, I've seen some incredibly talented people come and go. I've watched some people come across my path, and I thought, Lord, man, that guy can teach, or man, that gal can sing, or man, they have a way with the kids, or man, man, they can share their faith. I wish I could share my faith like that. I have seen pastors, leaders, worship leaders, you name it. I've seen people all over the place come and go with incredible talent. But if they don't have obedience, they do not last long. And the problem is they're like a wrecking ball in the house of God because they leave a bunch of broken believers in their wake. By the grace of God, there go any of us. But how many times do we have to read the story about a pastor who's fallen? 
Too many. Too many. And the problem, the problem isn't so much, I mean, it's horrible what they've done and horrible the pain they may have caused to their families or you know, those who are closest to them and, and to their own lives spiritually. But all too often, people walk away from the Lord. They walk away from the church because of that. And they want nothing to do with the Lord anymore. So no matter how skilled someone is, no matter their natural ability or gifting from God, an obedient man or woman will always, always please God more. I, as a pastor of 25 years, will gladly take the less talented, less skilled, less anointed person who will just obey Jesus. Gladly do that. Now, Samuel warned Saul about this when he disobeyed God at Gilgal. He warned him. He said, Saul, God is taking the kingdom from you. If you're going to live like this, he will take the kingdom from you. But Saul really believed with all his heart that God would eventually give in. He would eventually come around to his way of thinking. He, he doesn't know what it's like to be king. He doesn't understand what I'm going through. You know, he, he will eventually come around to my way of thinking. And so Samuel makes it very clear in verse 29 that repentance and change is something we do, not something God does. In verse 29, he says, and also, this other point, the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. I love that. The strength of Israel means the glory of Israel. What a great title for God. He's the glory of Israel. Not you, Saul. You may come and go, but the kingdom's going to go on because the king of kings is still on the throne and nothing moves him. He's Israel's glory. You're the one that's supposed to move, Saul, not the Lord. And so the glory of Israel, he will not lie. The word there means to be unfaithful, to be false, to betray us. The glory of Israel, our God, he will never be unfaithful to us. He will not lie to us. He will not betray us. He will not be false. And nor does he repent. The word there means to reconsider or change one's opinion concerning truth. God will not reconsider his position about truth ever, and he will not change his opinion about truth ever. Now, first off, what a great promise that God will never betray you, amen? That's great to know. He will never promise to do something and fail to do it, never. I can always count on him. And do you know that? I mean, do you know that? Um, yeah, there was a song back in the day, really old, so None of y'all probably know it, but it's called, Yet Will I Praise. And it just talked about all the things that can happen to us. And then the decision of the songwriter was, Yet Will I Praise You More. Yet Will I Praise You, Lord. And I loved that song. Because there are times when we see things that challenge the promises of God, don't they? Like we look out and we go, Whoa, Lord, that doesn't seem to fit with your promises or the things you say. This seems to not work with that. How, how does this fit? And it's in those moments where we say, well, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Yet will I praise you. Yet will I trust you. God will never betray us. Do you know that? And then second, what a serious rebuke to Saul and to any of us who would think that we could somehow get God to go along with our plans. God never changes his opinion about truth. Never. He doesn't look at my unique situation and think, well, maybe I should budge on this idea. I mean, Nobody's ever gone through what Will's going through right now. Lord never does that. Like, he never does that. 
He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the cool part is we look at that on the good side. And we go, Amen. He's faithful to his promises. You know, he always sticks beside us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Yes. It also means sin is still sin. It also means unrighteousness is still unrighteousness. Lying is still lying. Theft is still theft. Adultery is still adultery. All these things are still all the those things. Right is still right and wrong is still wrong. And by saying that to Saul, he's saying, Saul, this is why God's rejected you. You still don't get it. You still won't get it. You still need to repent. Yet, Saul doesn't. Verse 30, we see his second confession. Then he said, I have sinned. He just goes back to where he was before. Yet honor me now, I pray you, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord your God. It's like it goes in one ear out the other, like it never happened. And he just repeats what he said the last time. And he even could, I have sinned. And then he confesses, I'm still sinning. I mean, that's almost like what he's saying. I, I did this, I sinned because I feared the people. And I still fear the people. So can you please come with me in front of all the people and have like a show of solidarity so that things don't just fall apart right here? Because I'm not ready to call it all off. I'm not ready to end the celebration because I'm pretty sure they'll skewer me. Another confession, but still no change. And he even gives an excuse about why he refuses to change. He says, I know I haven't fixed things with the Lord, but that's not going to fix the fix I'm in here. Samuel, if you walk off, it'll completely discredit me. So do this so things look like they're still good, even though they aren't. We'll, go, we'll try to figure out something from here. And then Samuel does, I have to be frank, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in the Bible. He agrees this time. After he tells him he won't, he agrees this time. Why? Well, Samuel's a better man than I am. That's one reason why. I'll give you two reasons, though. First, because even though returning to the celebration was not going to accomplish any good for Saul as king, Samuel's love and mercy for Saul might do something good for Saul the man. Might not fix Saul the king, but somehow maybe it might do something for Saul the man. There are many times in my life when I've wanted to hit someone with a two-by-four because they were not right with the Lord and they were not going to get right with the Lord. And I was there for them, even though I didn't agree with what they were doing. And my hope in those situations is that they would see my interest in their life and that it would melt their heart so they might actually listen to what I'm saying. Now, there are, of course, times to say no to such opportunities because doing so would lead us to disobey the Lord. And I've done that too, where I've said, you know what? No, I can't. But there are times to say yes. And so my encouragement to you would be in those moments, search the scriptures and pray a lot about those decisions and do what the Lord tells you to do. The second reason that Samuel does this is because even though Saul would not repent and fix the wrongs that were done this day, Samuel still could fix at least one of the wrongs that was done this day. Look at verse 32. And then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag, it says, came unto him delicately. Uh, the word there means actually confidently. Like delicately, kind of I think of like a scared, but it's not. It's like a saunter in, like the worst is past. And that's how he, his attitude is. It says here, that he's, you know, Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. 
the word there delicately means walking in a way that exudes either boldness or calmness. He didn't have a care in the world. He didn't think he was in any trouble. He figures, oh, they're, they're prophet, their spiritual leader just wants to see me in chains, right? Verse 33, and Samuel said, as thy sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. That's a little brutal. And you got to remember, Samuel's not a warrior. He's a priest. He's used to butchering animals. You know, he's not used to fighting soldiers or doing anything like this. This is another kind of butchering that he does here. The word to hack or hew in pieces, it simply means to execute. So I don't know if he actually hacked them in pieces, but it was an execution for sure. And you know, it's interesting the words that Samuel says, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be made childless among women, which means Samuel somehow knew that Saul did not kill all the Amalekites because he mentions his mother still being alive. I don't know how Samuel knew that, but he makes the comment here. And it's very interesting because Saul's like, hey, will you come and make an offering with the Lord with me and let everybody know everything's fine? And he's like, I'll give you an offering. You want me to make an offering? Fine. I'll make an offering of obedience. I'll do what you won't. And so Samuel kills Agag, executes him, and then he leaves. And then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of Saul. And it tells us in verse 35, kind of like a postscript, And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.